0: We're going to start with a nice word on Parshas Vayishlach. And before I do so, I'm just going to mention that at the end of the year, M'tshem, I have a message and a request. Um, so I would appreciate if you could listen to that as well. So the Giddish live, he says on the Pusig Vatu, Martu, Haitav Haitav Imach. Says that the Haibishtah gives good to everyone. Everybody gets Hashpua. Everybody, Tzadikim, Roshuam, we all get good things. The difference is that when Tzadikim get good things... The kavuna is that they should have good things. Hashem wants them to have what they need and be happy. When, when Rishuam, when a Rusha, when a bad person gets good things, it's because Hashem is paying them for whatever they did and He wants to finish off paying them. And then later, you know, like it's, the Pusik says, It's with the intention of, you know, getting rid of them. I gave you what I'm supposed to give you and then Hashem's going to pay them back. So He says, the Pusik is saying, that there should be a toiver that is for the kavuna of toiv. Hashem giving, Yanke giving us, good things, and it should all be, so that we have good things, and not in a bad way. There's, there's different ways people could get good things. The, the sad part is that sometimes someone could have something good, and be afraid or anticipate the bad, coming after it, waiting for the shoe to drop, you know, there's, and sometimes a person actually has a lot of blessing in his life, and he's busy with uh, thinking about worst-case scenarios, or thinking about, uh, what, what am I going to do when this, when this uh, blessing, or or whatever it is, uh, stops, what do I do then? It's sad to see people not be able to appreciate the good, when it's good, for the good that it is, and, and for the intention that Hashem is giving it for. We have to know that that good is for the sake of good, in general, with the Irish itself. Good is for the sake of good. There's another touch from Tzadikim, actually. vimach. Hashem says that if you say that it's good, if you say that it's good, Hashem will say, you think that's good? I give you even more good. But if somebody complains and says, Hashem, it's not good what I have, Hashem will say, oh, you think that's bad? Huh? I can show you what's bad. So a lot of the blessing and a lot of the good that Hashem gives us is dependent on how we take it and how we look at it and how thankful we are and how hopeful we are and good if you're thinking good and you're anticipating good, Hashem, and it's good to see the good, the blessing in life, and to be hopeful for, the, for all the good that's, that's, that's still coming. And that, that's the way to live life. To see the good, find the good, appreciate the good, hope for the good, and be faithful that in life yourself, there will be a lot of good. And we all have so much good to be, to be thankful for. So let me mention an interesting question. Um, Dear Gruen, we are newlyweds who greatly enjoy your classes. Recently we have been pondering this question. What happens if one spouse gets, a di- gets diagnosed with a terminal illness that has no cure, for example, ALS or MS, six months after their marriage? Should the other spouse stay in such a marriage? If so, what obligates him or her to stay? Thank you. Okay. So, I'm not sure exactly what newlyweds is, but I assume by now um, they're more than six months past the marriage, and I'm hoping to Hashem that they're both gzut and Stark. And and this question is totally theoretical um, and totally unrealistic um, in terms of, 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 you know, in the practical sense, there's not something that anyone seems to be dealing with here. And that's exactly the reason I I want to address it. It goes without saying and maybe it has to be said anyway, that when dealing with anything of sensitive nature, this should never happen to anyone, nobody should ever have to make such decisions uh, dealing with illness, and dealing with uh, staying in a marriage, and, and, and anything like that. But if anyone ever has, has anything to do with a sensitive situation, you know, of course, of course, you want to consult the Astori, you want to consult the eil you want to consult somebody who could, who could give you um, clear guidance, which is something nobody should ever have to, and nobody should ever think that they could make such decisions on their own at all. Um, and even just for me to address it in terms of a question, giving a, a guidance on such a question, it would, be, it would be ridiculous, aside from irresponsible. I mean, there are so many details that would affect an answer uh, to, such a, such a, to such a situation. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's situations where there's uh, actually okay, six months after marriage, maybe there's no children yet, maybe there's some, a child on the way. Uh, in general, people deal with all kinds of situations, and they always have taken into account other children, there younger children, older children. All kinds of different uh, um, um, situations, even just in, in this, with this topic alone, um, even just in preparation for this year alone. I was asking around, talking to people who I knew who were dealing with the with, Nebuch, unfortunate situations, and you hear so many different stories and advice that people got from Eilachid and Das One is a situation where uh, a good will be it was Ramashev Feinstein, another such similar story. Who said to go to, you know, to not, not leave a marriage like that, or even to go into a marriage? Somebody who this was a Chus Kala, go in and, and Hashem will make sure everything is fine. You hear such stories where people are guided to even go into a marriage with somebody who's unfortunately diagnosed with something that seems to be incurable. will talk about that too. Um, and then, you know, if that's what an uh, Ere is telling you. That's what Hashem's Lashmoid and you know. And then you have other situations where people were told, no, you have to leave for the sake of young children, you have to raise, and then you can't raise a family in in a dysfunctional situation, as sad as it is, you just have to make sure people are taken care of. My point is just that, you know, anyone that's ever from dealing with such a situation, of course, of course, will turn to and people who have the clarity to be able to figure out what has to be done. And, and that alone is a very important message. For that alone, it was, it was worth just mentioning the question and saying this, because people should be consulting with Australia a lot more than they do. But at least when it comes to something that's significant and sensitive and, and, and life-changing, it's not a question that nobody should ever think that they can make such decisions on their own. Okay. Now, on the one hand, you know, such a question, like I said, it's it's all theoretical, so maybe we're just wasting our time addressing it. On the other hand, th- there's sometimes more to it, and, and that, this is the part that I want to address. Um, you know, first of all, a young, newlywed couple, which I'm enjoying my classes, I'm happy to hear that part, I'm happy to hear that you're listening to classes, enjoying classes, and and having, you know, food for thought and things to talk about together. It's, it's all wonderful. Um, but why, why are you discussing this question? Now, again, if it's just theoretical and you don't have anything else to talk about, And instead of talking about the, the Russian-Ukrainian war, you're talking about uh, you know, some philosophical, uh, theoretical idea about marriage, uh, you know, okay, it's fine. But, but um, in general, if you're looking for things to discuss, let's start with that. Talk about happy things. Talk about happy things. Talk about good things. Talk about the good in your life. Talk about And if you want to talk about uh, the unknown future and the uncertainties in life instead of just being thankful for what, what Hashem did give you, you know, Hashem marry each other and, and have a home and setting up you know, starting a life together. You want to talk about the future? Talk, talk about the good future. Anticipate good and blessing. and to, uh, Talk about what you can do when you win the lottery. Now, I don't know what a blessing that is, but uh, talk about what, what you're going to do when Hashem sends you, you know, a lot of children, healthy children, good children, and, 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 and livelihood and brucha and in your life. That's, that's definitely a better way to, um, if you want to call it, uh, discuss or obsess about an f- unknown future. So whoever it is that doesn't have enough to talk about the current and the blessing and the present and the relevant topics, talk about the good. And I'm not just saying it to be funny. This is a very important lesson in life where some people are just always so worried about what might happen what's going to happen and ha- trying to figure it all out in advance about, you know, what are we going to do then? It's, it's sad to live life that way. It's sad to live life that way. That's not a question. Um, that's first of all. Second of all, being a sensitive topic and something that nobody should... Again, it's, just, it's just unreasonable to be discussing something that's so irrelevant. And I, health. people are healthy, Hashem, and people should never be dealing with such situations. Um, but very often, these are the topics that bring a certain amount of insecurity and hurt feeling into a relationship. There was a Meshpacha magazine article before Pesach, uh, some kind of debate about where it's better to spend the Seder at home or with your parents and in-laws, grandparents, or whatever. And I was asked to, to give an answer. And um, my, my input in the article in the Mashboche magazine was that it's a shame to, to discuss the topic. And instead, instead of me giving my, my idea about where I think it's best to have a Paisach Seder, what I'll tell you is it's worse to fight about it. Wherever you have to go, go. But to, to debate at home about what would be better, and then turn it into a whole conflict of interest about who's right and wrong—that's the silly part. And that's something that, unfortunately, before Paisach, every year, many homes are busy with which we make decide and why it's better this way, why it's better that way. Work it out, work it out. But don't, but don't fight over the topic. Uh, back to this: sometimes debating a topic like what obligates somebody to stay with the other—it's a topic that makes people feel insecure. Now, everybody whoever is thinking about such a topic, and we should never have to think about such topics, whoever it is, uh, thinks to herself, well, Chaz Vashon, if something would happen, I don't, you know, I don't want Chaz want to say it on myself, but Ya'ankul is thinking that if something bad would happen to him, he sure hopes his wife is not going to leave him to suffer alone. And she's thinking the same thing, that if Chaz Vashon, something happens to her, he, she really hopes Ya'ankul not going to leave her. The only thing is that when Ya'ankul thinks about what, what happens if it happens to his wife, is he obligated or not? You know, that's the way people see it. N- nobody, nobody sees it the same way, both ways. People sometimes might see it as uh, what's going to obligate me to be there for someone else. Now, aside from the, the, the discussion itself, which I'll talk about, would you want to verbalize that? Is that something you want to bring into your marriage? That somebody else should be insecure and think, I really hope nothing happens because if, you know what, what's this person thinking? He, re- he already told me what he's thinking. That nothing really obligates him to stick around and, and take care of me that's not something you want to say. It's not something you want to bring up. I know I know of situations of people who, who did a lot of different things to secure themselves in a relationship without going into the examples. I think some people might understand it on their own. But some people do things specifically to secure themselves. They'll, they'll try to manipulate things to happen so that their spouse won't be able to leave the relationship. Now, again, that's coming from maybe their own insecurities and OCDs and, and lack of confidence, but... Why would a topic like this be good to discuss if it might, even just, even just contemplating the different sides of the coin, might make people insecure, especially when it's not relevant. Especially when it's not relevant. Chazul it ever becomes relevant to anyone. That, that's when you learn to deal with it in the best possible way. So, so discussing something like that is, is, is usually counterproductive to building a close and faithful relationship unless you both agree wholeheartedly that not a question, I'm here for you all the way. Another thing that comes to mind just when, when we talk about discussing such a topic is the, the Russian joke about uh, you know, they, were, um, they were teaching the kids to be loyal to, 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 the, to, to Russia to the country you know, motherland you know, so, so somebody was asking someone else we were discussing the topic about how loyal they would be to, to, to mother Russia right? what do we do if the Russian government needs something from us or the, you know, they want to say yeah I'll give everything yeah if you had a, a million dollars you'd give it away to, to the country sure not a question if you had gold and silver also not a question. If you had buildings, this was you know, during times when people didn't have much. It was communism, whatever. Yeah, everything. And if you had a chicken, would you give it away to, 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 to the country? Nope. The, the chicken I wouldn't give away. What do you, you just said you'd give away buildings and gold and silver a million dollars and a chicken you wouldn't give it No, a chicken I have. A chicken I have. I'm not giving it away. And the things that I don't have, I could talk about giving it away. My point is that sometimes, and it's not only about this topic, this is a general idea that I see some people make this mistake about. People talk about things and debate about things and, and argue about things that are so irrelevant. It's mamash shame L- like this. But but let's let's change it a little bit. Like you know, if I would have a problem and I would have to move, uh, you know, for my health, I would have to move to Arizona. Right, would you come along with me? No, nope, I wouldn't come. Why Why are you saying you wouldn't come? There's no health problem, and the chances the chances that any random person might have to one day move to Arizona are so slim that it's a shame to to say that you're not going to come along. Say you'll come along. Now what do I do if it happens? On the 1% chance that it happens, less than 1%, less than 100 people going to Arizona, but on the 1% chance you'll figure out then what to do. you figure it out then. But the 99% chance that discussing it in a way that shows your lack of loyalty and your lack of commitment to a relationship could hurt your relationship, what's even the question? So it's so silly sometimes when people debate things that are so irrelevant, and the only relevant part of the discussion and the debate is the hurt feelings that somebody's left with, like, oh, you wouldn't do that for me? You wouldn't let me? If I was arrested, you wouldn't come visit me? And I hope you won't get arrested, but wh- why say no? <laughs> why? That's just, just another idea that I wanted to mention. So it's not a question that discussing this and harping on this and debating about it and saying the wrong thing about it is silly and irrelevant. And I hope that, that alone is also another meaningful message for people looking for discussions and, and topics to talk about. But let me address it anyway. Let me just say it, just, just as a discussion, as a theoretical discussion. I May mean, you never know If somebody is listening to this, and for whatever reason it has any connection to their own situation or anything applicable than another, of let's try to discuss something. You talk about if Chazal somebody is diagnosed with a terminal illness that has no cure and things like that. You know, first of all, we're definitely mamin to look at anything like there's no cure and nothing to do. Again, it's sad that unfortunately there are things and there are things that happen to people, but. Fine. We, 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 us, us Yiddish Yiddish kinder don't look at things like that we, we deal with things and we live with things and we, and we keep on asking Hashem and we keep on believing and we keep on being hopeful I mean to look at something like you know, now I know it won't be good it's just not a Yiddish blik, which I tell you and in general to say that people go into marriage assuming that everything will always be good and knowing that it's going to be good and I'm only here because I know it's going to nobody knows what's going to happen Nobody knows what's gonna happen. The person who is diagnosed, unfortunately, with a terminal illness is not is not any less um, is not any more um, is not any more certain that is that life won't be good than the other person who wasn't. I mean the person who died in a car crash unfortunately wasn't diagnosed with anything and that was it. So, so you're staying in a marriage because you're hoping that nobody will ever have a be in an accident? You're hoping that nobody will ever have a problem? See, when somebody doesn't have a problem, you, again, you turn to Hashem and you, and you make the best of it, and you, and you don't. You know, that's not. That's not that, that alone is just part of the blick. Like, what am I going to do if the doctor says if the doctor has nothing to do? Then what are you going to do? That's when you throw in the towel. So that's that's first of all. But it's interesting how years ago, it, it seems I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to say anything concrete because I mean, these, t- these topics are debatable. About why it was like that, if it was like that. But years ago, it seems that people took marriages and relationships um, much, more, much more seriously. Um, it, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't so much a question of, okay, so when's the time to walk out? It, that wasn't the option on the table. Now, of course, it happened every once in a while. And some people are always going to say, well, it was a mistake that it didn't happen or whatever reason. But in general, people saw this as a real dedicated, committed relationship that's here to stay. Not very different than people should see their relationships with children or with parents, for that matter, as something that's here to stay. You can't get divorced from a parent or a child. Now, of course, I told you I didn't give the option, and there are times where, for whatever reason, it's best, and somebody's guided to to, to leave a relationship, but in general, marriage was something that was here to stay, and you made it work. As a matter of fact, somebody told me a story, I may have repeated it once already, somebody told told me about his parents. Um, It was a week before the chasna, not after the chasna, before the chasna, and his father was in an accident, and his feet were crushed, in a way that it wasn't clear that he would ever be able to walk again. It was a week before a and okay, after getting to the hospital and realizing that the chances that he'll be able to walk again, you know, weren't there wasn't anything too clear. Um, they called the kallah and said, "Listen, we'll understand if you're not ready to go ahead with the marriage." Just before they got married, or marry a cripple, marry somebody who can't, you know, who can't uh, walk on, on on his feet. And her response was, and this is the, the the response is the interesting part. So if this would have happened a week after the chastan, what would I have done? Nothing. That would be my mate. That would be the person that, that I'm destined to live with, spend life with, right? So it happened before the chastan, that's why I shouldn't do it. Now today, like your question is, well, if it happened after the chasana, well, who who's to have to stick around? It seems like that wasn't even a question. The question just was, you know, because it happened one week prior to the chastan, is that something that should change the dynamics? No. And they got married in the hospital. They got married in the hospital. She came to his hospital bed, and they got married there. And the caller walked around the bed, um, seven times, and after the chasna, the kala went home, and six months later, when he was discharged, that's when they started living married life together, and that's when they had a family, B'chashem. and that's when he started being able to, being able to walk again, B'chashem. and that's how, just an example, and again, chasna, which never happened to anyone, but that, that's how things used to look, marriage, like if it happened after marriage, was even when I walk away on somebody, because, because I don't have to stay here, you know, that, that wasn't, as a matter of fact, just another thing that chazal do teach us, an issue el lebunam, it's a, of Chazal. a woman is just to have kids Now okay There's, there's hopefully more to it than that But a, a woman is to have children That's why Chazal said If after 10 years Somebody didn't have children They should find someone else And still you find Both Sadiq and Elykhid And other people That, that didn't leave even When they knew that they could Or should maybe even Because of a certain bond I'm not just going to drop someone Or leave someone because, yeah, because, because of that kind of problem But that's something that Chazal teaches us And the Torah teaches us But beyond that so again, if the question over here was that it's six months and there was no children yet or, or somebody still has to have children and they could always have children later, again, I do we want to talk about the example about, about what this diagnosis means or whatever it is, but it's not a question. And the point of all this is not, like I said before, it's, it's, it's totally irrelevant because anyone dealing with anything even rem- remotely um, comparable or similar to this is definitely going to, should and, and will be needing their own guidance. But the part about investing in a relationship and knowing that, yes, we could overcome problems and we're going to fix it, and you don't walk away. That's something that today a lot of people just don't have. People tell me all the time, I just don't have koya for this. People ask me a lot of times about the relationship. Is this, is this something that uh, could be fixed? And I always say this, and just recently I was telling it to a mechanic, actually, he liked it. Um, I always have this, this mechanic analogy. I, said, I, I tell people, I'm a mechanic. You bring a mechanic a car, c- could it be fixed? The answer is yes. Every car can be fixed. Every car. Some cars you'll have to replace the engine. Some cars you'll have to replace the, the oil, the tank or whatever, the battery, and the computer. Every car could be fixed. The question is, how much are you willing to invest in it to fix it? Right? But it could be fixed. No that nothing that can be fixed. Now, if this is a car that you yarshaned from your Elta Zayder, you're not going to want to throw it away. And it's worth investing a million dollars in the car. And most people, at some point, it's not worth investing what it will take to fix a broken car. You get a new car. Cars are disposable. Right? Now, when you see your marriage, how important to you is it to invest in your marriage? There's something that can be done to save every marriage. The question is, what will it take in general? So, I'm the mechanic, and I can try to tell you what it will take for you to help your relationship. And you'll tell me if it's worth it for you. Now, some people say, "I'm not interested. I don't want to put up with this. I don't want to have to work hard. I don't need a high maintenance relationship. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't." So again, that that's an attitude that I don't think people had years back. So that's why I think years ago when people had challenges and difficulties, the option of, so let me just get out of here, it wasn't such an option. Now, it could be things changed and I'm not saying that whoever gets divorced has is is doing the wrong thing at all. You know, sometimes uh, it's, things are called for, unfortunately. But it's very important. That, and, and again, I don't know if the, the point of the six months into it, like I said before, is because there's no kids. If something's t- intolerable, for whatever reason, you're getting guidance from Claire uh, Dastoy, they're telling you it's time to leave a marriage. The fact that there are kids around, okay, sometimes it's better for them than the parents aren't together. Um, you know, so that's. Uh, but I, I want to end up, I, I want to add another another little lesson, and that is that some people who hear this question are appalled by it. What do you mean? Uh, a spouse is diagnosed with an illness, and you're going to walk away because it's so hard for you, or because you can't, uh, whatever. It's interesting. how Many people are able to tolerate a spouse who's not well, a spouse who's unfortunately uh, struggling with a machle or physical uh, ailment or illness or, or limitation. When it comes to other things, they're not willing to. And this, and this reminds me of an idea. The, the Tanya talks about it. Uh, when a person can't overcome an asoyin, uh, an avodah, something, you know, something pulling them, they should think. You know, if 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 I would have an asoyin right now, of bowing down to Avedizura, and I'm going to lose my life if if I don't, somebody somebody say, "I'm going to kill you if you don't bow down to that Avedizura. Would you do it? No, of course not. He said, Al- almost nobody would. Almost nobody. You, almost nobody would do such a thing. So I'm ready to give up my life to not be over on Hashem's will, so then why wouldn't I do something that's a lot less challenging you know, for me to, to not, do, to, to not uh, violate Hashem's will? So the only answer is, because it seems to me that is a big problem, and this, this thing that I'm doing now is a small problem. And he explains how that's a riach uh, shtis. He's being silly, thinking that this is a bigger problem, a smaller problem. If Hashem says not to do something, you don't do it. So just thinking about how ready you would be to, to give up your life and to have a bigger sacrifice, that's something that should remind you to at least have a smaller one in another area. You know, you have to give up your life. Just make it a little less comfortable for yourself to not violate Hashem's ratzen. So with that said, I think that it's also the fact that a lot of people, most people, I think, would think to themselves, I may not be obligated to take care of a spouse who's unfortunately not well. But I think for sure I would do it. Now it's not easy, by the way. We should never know from it. If somebody is not well, um, it's, 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 a, it's a big burden. Remember, Kasvat Eber from Islam used to say a joke. He used to say that we know that a husband and wife are called a plagifah. They're each half of a whole, of a whole unit, The He said, that's only as long as your wife is feeling good. When she's not feeling good, it costs the whole gift. You know, it's not, it doesn't cost only half. It costs the whole thing. It's not easy to take care of somebody who's not well. But most people will do it. Most people, by the time somebody is diagnosed with a or a they're willing to give themselves away for it because the person's so limited and so challenged and so uh, unfortunate and whatever else. And who else is going to do it if not to me? When it comes to smaller things, petty things, that uh, you know, it would mean so much for my spouse if I would only do this or only do that, that I'm not interested in doing. And if you think about it, you know, if you're willing to give up your life for somebody when they need something so big and so burdening, or something you maybe may not be obligated to, shouldn't you do it where it's a little simpler and a little easier, even if maybe you're not obligated to, and certainly if you are obligated to, because you know, so that's, that's also something like, you know, it's like talking about giving away the million dollars, but when you have that little chicken, you're not giving it away. So, like I said, there's always exceptions to every rule, and, and like I, this is, I wasn't discussing this at all as a relevant topic, and nobody who, who, who's ever going to be dealing with this chas should ever rely on anything I just said now. I just wanted to give some perspective, and I just wanted to summarize. You know, this is, it's, it's not a topic that anyone should be discussing, or thinking about, or obsessing over, or debating over, or giving wrong messages over. It would be silly um, to do that. And there are, there are other such topics, by the way. I heard this once from Khusan Rebbe, who had a list of topics that you would tell Khusan, don't discuss this topic. You discuss this topic, it's going to cause you problems. So this is a, the, the topics of what, what are we going to do in a crisis, a crisis? It's, it's very often a challenging topic that, that's just going to make people obsessed and be hurt by what you would do in a crisis. That's irrelevant, it's not happening. That's, that was the first part of what we spoke about. The second part is that, yes, marriage is sacred. And in general terms, it is, it is an, not an obligation, but it's a real commitment of loyalty and dedication. And it's something that, you know, for the most part, people should be very invested in, in living it and being up to it and making the most out of it. And marriage is a blessing. That's what we started off with. Ha'itavayitavimah. Marriage is a blessing. And instead of focusing on the blessing, to think about all things that aren't good, that would obviously be silly. If Hashem blessed you enough to get married and to find your soulmate and to find your shidduch and have a good relationship, then believe that it will always be good and be hopeful that it will always be good and tell Hashem how good it is and ask Hashem that it keep on being good. And when I You'll be able to live together life For many, many happy and healthy years Now like I started off with uh, A small message I, I am uh, Maspal Kavir For over 20 years and told In told of Bismadish In Barra Park I don't know how many people could say That in 20 years in one place uh, Both during the week And Shabbos and Yom Tov But it's a privilege To be part of such a Khusvah Bismadish For those of you who know And those of you who don't know um, the Bismadish burnt down three weeks ago Simple as that uh, fire broke out, and it just burned down. And since then, we left without a shield. A whole Kehillah left without a shield. We'd have been some days in Deja, some days in Kosovo, some days in Skilana, and we're really a wandering Kehillah. Um, and we're already in the middle of building a shield. We were taking our time, and we weren't in a rush, and we had Bukhsham where to be, and, you know, it was going slow. But now, we're without a roof over our heads, and... Um, this is something personal. most people when they campaign for something, they say it 's not my type, i don't have a choice. I have to show a course. This is very personal for me. this is very personal i 'm trying to help my Kaa and myself and my family have a shield with a daven. and if anyone could help out with that, I will be most appreciative personally appreciative and it will be a very big Swiss and The sooner we could come up with the money, the sooner we can move into a new shield you know it's, it's just a, a galval for anyone who has um, a chaylik in, in this. If anyone wants to go to my personal Page and donate something, whether it's appreciation or just to help or whatever it is that's gonna you know, help you be a part of this, I'll be most appreciative. You could go to www.venosnu, V E N O S N U, again, V E N O S N U dot com slash T A Y, slash 01557. 01557, that's my. Personal page, uh, and like I said, I'll be personally appreciative to whoever could help out with that. Whoever wants to do this by phone, um, you can call in 718 750 9872, extension 84068. 84068, and Mitzvah Hashem in the midst of building this by Smigdish Ma'at of We should all have homes of and live together. Thank you.